Welcome to the Author's Podcast with Lisa Newton. Writing a book is a dream for many people, and in today's society, it has become easier and more important than ever. If you are an expert, speaker, coach, or an authority in your field, having a book is the new business card. It can increase your credibility, enhance your status, and make you the go-to person in your field. Opening doors and bringing a flood of opportunities straight to you. You can increase your fees and start choosing the clients you really want to work with. The Author's Podcast Show with Lisa Newton is designed to inspire, educate and inform you, both entrepreneur and individual, on how to write a book, as well as writer's tips and strategies on how to actually get that book written. On today's show, you learn more about how to write a book, including writing ideas, marketing, and how to succeed in getting a book written. Here we go with the author's podcast, and here is your host, Lisa Newton. Hello and welcome to another episode of the author's podcast. My name is Lisa Newton, and today my guest is Cody Smith. Cody is an electrical engineer by day, an author by night. He's the proud father of his 17-month-old daughter, Nella, and happily married to his wife, Lauren, of five years. Growing up, Cody was terrified of public speaking in any form or fashion. He grew up avoiding any opportunity to speak in front of an audience and completely dreaded every moment leading up to speaking whenever he had to. He didn't figure out how to get over his fear until he left the country, the US, on a trip to Honduras one summer during college. He learned that consistent exposure to whatever you fear is the key factor to conquering your fear once and for all. Since then, Cody has turned his greatest fear into his greatest strength. He used public speaking to raise $17,000 to start a business in college. Overcoming his fear of speaking gave him a much needed confidence boost that he wanted to share with the world through his book, Stage Fight, How to Punch Your Fears of Public Speaking in the Face. So on the line, I should have my guest author today, Cody Smith. So, Cody, I was quite intrigued by your autobiography there. So, you went on a trip to Honduras during college. Tell us about that. Sure. We were uh, going down. It was me and a team, and we went down to Honduras to actually build a home for a family that was living in a, a, a shack of sorts. It was just pretty much built of... Uh, rummage and material you could just find on the side of the street and so we went down there and actually built them a proper home Mm. and when you say we how many people was that it was a small team of about six people that actually went down from the united states all right and was that the the first time you'd actually been to honduras that was the first time yes okay and you say that consistent exposure to whatever you fear is the key so was that a a frightening experience for you was you nervous about that sure sure i'll go into more detail uh prior to going to honduras i had spent the entire last summer uh using apps to help me learn spanish using flashcards to learn vocabulary and so i spent a good 90 days trying to get a handle on the language and i felt pretty confident until i got on the plane and sat by an older woman who just spoke Spanish on the way to Honduras. And I figured now was a good time to start up a conversation and and really put what I've learned into action. And it took me a grand total of about, of about 20 seconds to learn that I did not know as much Spanish as I thought I did. <laughs> and I, I successfully confused the both of us and I was pretty much back to square one uh, by the time the plane, la- plane landed. And I was kind of, distraught, I guess, in the way that I was like, I had spent all this time working to go to speak Spanish. And then I sat down on the plane, or got off the plane, I was like, I pretty much know nothing uh, to really actually communicate with the community out here, out there in Honduras. 
And it wasn't until someone on my team saw that I was struggling pretty bad. And he said, look, from now on, no, no, English is not an option. No more English. We're not going to speak to you in English and no one here is going to speak to you in English. So I said, okay, all right, Spanish from now on. So the first couple of days were very brutal. Uh, they were awkward. Uh, the, uh, the adults in Honduras were kind of a little frustrated with how slow I was trying to pick up the language and trying to communicate was very difficult. Uh, the kids were a little bit more forgiving since I was like kind of an oddity there. But by the end of the week, speaking 24-7 Spanish and thinking in Spanish, I actually got pretty good at speaking the language. I could go to the market and bargain for melons. I could speak to the locals. I can play and have jokes with the kids. And it wasn't until I got back to the United States that I realized that that's how I can get over my fear of public speaking. It's just that same level of commitment and exposure to, you know, make an agreement with myself that, all right, running away from public speaking and just because I'm afraid or not good at it is not a good option. It's no longer an option. So now I'm going to actually embrace those fears and go after them. Now, I, I couldn't speak in front of an audience every day, but I could certainly speak in front of an audience once a week. And so that's what I did in college. Every week I would find an audience to speak in front of. And over the course of the semester, I actually was no longer nervous to speak in front of people. I was actually having a good time. I mean, don't get me wrong, the first few were nerve-wracking and awkward, and I dreaded them, and I was nervous. But by the end of, say, 90 days, three months, I was actually looking forward to speaking in front of people. And so I finally felt liberated. I felt free. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's just a question because I've learned Spanish myself. And sure. when you said like you had flashcards and stuff like that, had you yeah. had no classes whatsoever and you thought that within 90 days you could, you know, be fluent enough and jump on the plane and go to Honduras? <laughs> <had> <laughs> Good question. I had taken two classes in high school, but they were very minor as far as actually learning the language. And not we didn't really actually spend a lot of time actually speaking the language, or at least not enough to actually get a hang of it, especially when someone who is fluent in the language is speaking to you um, at a very fast pace where I cannot, I couldn't comprehend Spanish enough to interpret it in time and then formulate a response in English and then interpret yeah. that in Spanish in my head and then give a response yeah 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 i know what you mean okay so so when you got back then to to the united states you say that you found an audience to speak in front of so what yes. was you speaking about and who who was this audience and where did you find them ah good question <laughs> uh, so so on campus we actually had what was what's called a toastmasters club ah, okay. uh, and so so an international uh, club for to really get over your fear of public speaking. So that was a very convenient place to have an audience once a week that I could speak in front of. Uh, if, I, if I couldn't speak in front of the Toastmasters club, I would go back to, say, my fraternity and speak in front of some of my fraternity brothers or uh, just find a, a makeshift audience of just random students to speak in front of about a random topic that I would come up with. So any way that I could find myself in front of people at least once a week to really help and expose myself to that uncomfortable feeling of being in front of people and slowly expand my comfort level uh, to where that was no longer something I dreaded or was nervous about. Mm. Now, one of the things you say is that, you know, this was your greatest fear and you, you turned it into your greatest strength. So what was it that was so frightening about speaking in public? Uh, another good question. <laughs> Back, I was homeschooled for quite a bit growing up until, say, sixth grade, uh, middle school era. And in, in homeschool, there was no presentations. You didn't speak up in front of people. It was just me and my brothers. So being jump into a, say, a public school, uh, we now had presentations. You had to go in front of the class and speak. And that just terrified me, just the thought of being up in front of everybody. And I had a pretty awful experience in middle school where I had to get up in front of the class. And I just completely, I did horrible. It was atrocious. It was awkward. The class was very silent. And when they were supposed to, like, I guess at the end, clap, like they almost didn't know what to do. Like they were just watching a train wreck. <laughs> and from that experience, I just kind of, every time 
even after induce a high school or in early college, I just kept carrying that experience with yes. me that I'm bad at public speaking. I've never been good at public speaking. I'm never going to be good at public speaking. And so that that's kind of where the fear manifested. And it just kept growing and growing as I got older, trying to get over my fear. But I just couldn't because I kept just reliving that same experience in middle school. You are listening to The Author's Podcast with me, your host, Lisa Newton. You can email me, lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And remember, we have The Inner Circle, which is for writers just like you. And you can join us at writerbook.net. They say, though, that most people, the two greatest fears are death and public speaking. And I think a lot of people would actually rather die <laughs> than actually get up on stage or, or whoever, it might, whoever it might be to speak in front of any kind of audience. So right. you're definitely onto something there. There is a fear about that. And uh, so you certainly wouldn't be alone. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if there's someone out there that, that is thinking to themselves, uh, there is no way... I am speaking in front of anyone, not, not on your life. No way, no way. I'm not doing it, not doing it. What would you, or they've had a really bad experience because those yeah. kind of traumatic experiences really can stay with you for, for a very long time. What would you say to anyone like that to kind of coax them out of their, um, their, their fearful state? Sure, sure. So first you kind of have to start with the mental side of what kind of, what kind of goes in your brain leading up to a speaking opportunity when you just have to, or you're just thinking about having to do with a public speaking opportunity uh first is you you have to give yourself permission to do bad um, a lot of times when we get up in front of people we're afraid we're going to be judged by the audience or they're going to expose to the audience that we're not perfect or we have flaws and we make mistakes and it, it's an it's an embarrassing feeling uh, and so we sometimes hold ourselves to a really high standard for some reason when we're speaking in front of a large audience. So you have to give yourself permission from the get-go or for right off the bat to make mistakes. You have to leave room um, for those mistakes and see them those mistakes for what they really are, which are just lessons. They're just lessons. They're not failures. They're not, uh, they're not crushing your reputation or anything like that. And really give yourself some room to learn from those mistakes. And then secondly, uh, you, you've got to note it, you've got to realize that the audience itself is human and they'd actually rather be sitting in the audience than doing what you're doing in front of, the, in front of, in front of everyone speaking. And, and just realize just how short people's attention spans are. And, and when you're speaking, their attention spans are just going wild. Everyone's got cell phones or they're thinking about the to-do list they have. So a lot of the times people aren't really paying as close attention to you think they are to the mistakes you make on stage. And five minutes after you get off, they've almost forgotten everything. Um, so you can almost uh, act as if they're just going to forget about this. And I, it's almost like you have a clean slate when you get off the stage. So you have to remember that people really aren't going to remember as many mistakes as you, you think they're remembering. They're really certainly not judging you as much as we, we think they are. Yes. Second, secondly, is it's more the being proactive about your fear. Instead of running away from opportunities to speak, you have to embrace them and kind of get over the initial hurdle of getting over your fear. So prior to getting or wanting to get over my fear, I would just run away from any opportunity to speak. I wouldn't seek them out. I would do whatever I could to get out of them. Afterwards, I would chase after them. I would look for them. I would ask for them. And that's a difficult thing to do, especially if you're afraid, but you have to do it. You have to be able to expose yourself to those that uncomfortable feeling of being in front of people. And you have to do it on a consistent basis because that will start building your confidence and start building your courage uh, to get out in front of people and get over your fear of public speaking. Okay, excellent. And, you know, where might you start for a a small kind of maybe friendly atmosphere? (laughs) (laughs) When you're there seeking these opportunities to speak in front of an audience. So we talked a little bit about Toastmasters, and so they're, they're, they have clubs all over the world. Um, and so that's the first place I would look. I'd go on Toastmasters.org and just kind of look for a club that meets near you. Uh, and that is the probably the best place to go. 
because the audience is there to help you succeed at public speaking. That is their purpose. They're not there to judge you, they're there to help you because they're also there to get over their fear of public speaking as well. So that is like the one-stop shop to go is get up in front of an audience that's there to cheer you on. And there's two opportunities at Toastmaster Clubs. One is doing a prepared speech which is you actually prepare ahead of time to give in front of the, your, your Toastmasters club, which is about five to seven minutes on usually a topic that you choose. And then secondly, there's an even shorter speech you could do called a table topics, where you get up in front of the, the audience and give an a unprepared speech for two minutes on a topic that's given to you right when, as you go up to speak. Uh, so that was a little bit more nerve wracking, but there's no preparation needed for that. And that helps you really, um, speak on your toes, so to say, in front of an audience. Secondly, if you're, if Toastmasters isn't an option, I would look for opportunities to speak in your community uh, or at work. There's usually some form of public speaking needed to go on at work or even in a, uh, let's see, a, uh, goodness, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> so like in, in the community, maybe local church organization, That's something right. that you're a member of, some, some, something, exactly. like school, That's leisure center somewhere. There's, there's always something going on somewhere. And I, I would imagine that there, there's not really a queue of volunteers of people <laughs> putting themselves forward no. for these things because a no, lot of people not. just, just don't want to put themselves out there. That's right. And so you'll be amazed about how many opportunities there are to speak once you start looking for them. Yes. Uh, if, you're, if you're not looking for them, they're, it's almost like they're not even there. But if you start looking, then you'll be like, wow, there really is a lot of opportunities to speak in front of people. And they don't have to be like grand public speaking events. You know, they don't have to be like hour long keynote mm. speeches. They can be as simple as just five minute, 10 minute speeches you give in front of a group or an organization or your colleagues at work or whatever that allow you to get more exposure in front of people. And But that said, some people do actually make a whole living out of giving keynote speeches. Correct, correct. So. You were listening to The Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like and share this channel. So if you're, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Cody Smith, Cody is an electrical engineer by day, and he is the author of Stage Fight, How to Punch Your Fears of Public Speaking in the Face. And he has also got a board game. Is it a board game? It is a board game, board yeah. Game. Um, and what's the name of the game? It's called uh, Beep Boop. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> kind of like what a ro Beep Boop, like a robot would say. Uh... <laughs> Beat Boop. Yeah, B E E P B O O P. Oh, beep boop. Okay. There you go. <laughs> beep boop. And uh, he, he got funding for that. And that was all down to being able to speak to a group of potential investors and getting over his fear of public speaking. So, Cody, tell me about then. So, here you are. You're like a rock star now. You're bulletproof. You can speak on stage <laughs> like, ah, you know what I mean? So, at what point did you think to yourself, do you know what? I, I, I can write a book about this because I'm just, I can do this, you know, and I can help other people do this. At what point did that come to you? Good question. So that was uh, a little bit halfway through 2017. Uh, so I'd already graduated college. Uh, Beep Boop was well, well away and being manufactured. And I had gotten over my fear of public speaking and I was like, great, I'm free. I'm liberated from this, this fear. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I just kind of left it at that until I got to where I work now. And I noticed a lot of my peers were having a lot of trouble speaking in front of the boss at the, say, the monthly or the quarterly meeting to give a status update of the work they're doing. Oh. So we had some my peers who were doing some really great work. But then they get in front of the boss and everyone to give their presentation and they would just bomb. They would just they just didn't represent themselves well in front of the boss. And you had these other individuals who say did OK work, but they were so comfortable speaking in front of people that mm -hmm. they looked like rock stars in front of yes. the boss. Yeah. But when it came time to do promotions or give out awards or you name it, uh, you can imagine who the boss was thinking about to give those awards to. Yeah, it wasn't the people who were kicking butt in the office; it was the people who were doing really well during the meetings. Yeah, so I was like, this, 
this is a this is a shame. You know, I I, I know how to help these people out. And so that's kind of where the, the formula is like, I need to put this on paper. I need to get this in a book so I can give it to people so they can get over their fear of public speaking and really represent themselves well in front of people. Mm. That's interesting you say that because sometimes I think, and I know I certainly was thinking, you know, public speaking is, uh, you know, something good, particularly if you're in business and you're doing presentations and you're presenting presenting yourself. But even yep. really in the workplace, just on a day to day level, it can yes. impact, um, you know, the, the kind of results you get in life, because those who are confident and, you know, mm. and I've seen it, you know, some people aren't all that, but they make out that they are and everyone just believes them. <laughs> Okay. So, you know, it, it's it's actually a really good skill to have. But um Absolutely. You know, a lot of people shy away from it. Okay. Absolutely. So so you decided, okay, got to help these people, got to help those out there that, you know, need it. What then happened next? How did you turn that idea into a book? Okay. Great question. So first I figured I'll just open up a Word document. Uh, and I'll just type it from beginning to end and come to find out that was an awful method to write a book. I got about 10 pages in and I was like, this is awful. I'm not doing this anymore. And I kind of gave up for a little while. And then I was just online and found a group online that actually helped people write and publish their book. And I was like, this is what I need. I, I don't know the first thing about writing a book and I certainly don't know the first thing about publishing a book. So when I was younger, I really strayed away from spending money on mentors or people who have gone before me. I figured I could just figure it out, figure it all out on my own, which is true. But you have to go through all the mistakes and trial and error and all those things which you could just bypass if you're willing to invest a little bit of money in yourself. Yes. So I finally finally forked over some of the money to join the program. And when I, I did that, I was flying through the writing process. It, it made the, whatever they had outlined to use this process to, you know, mind map your outline of your book. So, you know, in the center of a page, I don't know if you've ever done a mind map before. Oh, yeah. Mm. Uh, oh, yeah. A, a lot of, you do it a lot in, in grade school mm. where you just put the topic in the center of a page. And for me, it was overcoming your fear of public speaking. And then whatever comes to mind out of your mind, you, you branch off of that first topic and then write that down. So I might say, you know, their physical response to public speaking or Absolutely. the fear of public speaking. Right? And then I'll go on to personal experiences of public speaking and different mindsets of public speaking. So I, all that mind mapped on it, you make it super messy. It doesn't have to be pretty. It shouldn't be pretty because you're just trying to get everything in your brain on paper. And no one else is and going to see it either. It's, it's for you. No one's going to see it. No one's going to see it. And then you take that and you turn that into an outline. So whatever main branches came off the first and center topic, those are going to be your sections of your book. And then whatever comes off the main, those main branches, I'll, we'll call them like sub branches. Those actually end up being the chapters of your book. So instead of starting from a blank page, you start with an outline. So I, I don't have to think about what I'm going to write. I know what I'm going to write about. I already have that outline there. Exactly. And that made the process so much easier. And how long did it take you to do the mind map? It took me probably 30 to 40 minutes. It doesn't take very, very long mm. at all. And these are all the ideas that have been bubbling around in your mind, maybe for the past year or so, and you just get them all out onto a page and all of it make some sense out yeah. of it. Mm. Absolutely. Okay. You are listening to the Authors Podcast with me, your host, Lisa Newton. You can email me, lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And remember, we have the Inner Circle, which is for writers just like you. And you can join us at writerbook.net. For those of you just tuning in, I'm talking to Cody Smith. Cody is the author of a book called Stage Fight, how to punch your fears of public speaking in the face. And Cody has overcome his fear of public speaking 
by throwing himself in at the deep end and just just doing it, just facing that fear. But Cody, I've got you on the line here. And I mean, is it sure. that simple? Can you, can you, it's like, you know, learning to swim. Let's just dive in the deep end and, you know, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, I'll swim, you know, it, 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 it can't be that, you know, oh, just put yourself out there. I know you're terrified, but just do it anyway. You know, on you, in the, in the beginning, wasn't you like, oh, what if I just freeze and they have a go at me and say, you know, you volunteered for this and you were just terrible, you know? Good question. <laughs> yeah, it, it, in essence, it is that simple. Uh, so even if you go up in front of people and do bad, even though you volunteered to go up in front of people to get over your fear, you have to turn around and look back and get some feedback on how you did. Uh, one, this does two things. One, this actually helps you learn what you could do better next time. Secondly, it lets you get a, a second bit of awareness that, oh, wow, look, they didn't, they didn't throw food at me. You know, they didn't boo me off the stage. I woke up the next day and the sun came out and everything was okay. <laughs> uh, so even if you do really bad, which I did, I, I did really bad at the beginning um, where you would just be up in front of people and you would just completely lose your train of thought and you would just be silent in front of everyone and they're just staring at you. And then the next day, you know, I got up and the sun came up and I didn't die and no one booed me or, you know, I didn't have friends who were like, I can't be friends with you anymore because you did so bad. You know, none of that stuff ever happened. And eventually you just start growing comfortable being uncomfortable in front of people. And it allows you to be your authentic, genuine self in front of an audience. You don't sound like a robot. And a lot of people want to go and learn like, nine principles of great public speaking and try and incorporate all these different things at once to be a great public speaker, but they're completely terrified to speak. And so if you're completely terrified to speak, it doesn't matter if your speech is amazing, if your presence is amazing, if you're a fantastic orator, none of that stuff matters if you're completely terrified to go up there and speak because all that goes out the window as soon as you stare into the eyes of your audience. So once you can actually get comfortable being up there, you can start incorporating these things. You can start incorporating really great content. You can start incorporating being a great orator. You can be incorporating looking to the eyes of your audience as you speak and moving around the stage and what to do with your hands while you speak, which seems to be a, a something I see a lot. Is people really don't know what to do with their hands. They're just constantly moving them to, I guess, to get their point across. But it really is that simple. It's just getting up in front of people and exposing yourself to an that uncomfortable situation and then getting used to it. You're building a tolerance for it. You start building courage every time you go up there and do it. Okay. Oh, that's, 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 um, oh, it's nerve wracking. Even I've just got to take a deep breath when I think about it because <laughs> I just think, wow, you know, um, maybe start small, I would say maybe with a small, what do you think? A small audience, is it, people who know you maybe friendly faces or total strangers absolutely. what do you think yeah ab absolutely definitely don't definitely start small you know you don't want to go toward the uh the super large audiences at first toastmaster clubs are typically pretty small i've seen some they're typically somewhere at around five to ten members so it's oh, five nice. to ten people that you're mm. that's not too terrible if you're preparing for a presentation or uh at work you can just get a few colleagues together that are that you can present to and just get some practice. So that gives you another level of exposure to public speaking for a presentation you have to give anyway. So that's uh, that can be five five people. Uh, what I recommend is always at least if you have to give a presentation, always find at least one person that you can speak in front of first. So you're not going in and doing your first um, presentation in front of the actual audience you need to present to. It's like a very low threat audience of just one person you usually know. It could be a spouse, could be a neighbor, could be a friend. And just give your presentation in front of them and then ask for feedback afterwards of what you could have done better. And so that's usually a very, a very easy way because everyone can find one person to speak in front of. Yeah. And I think feedback is interesting you say that because sometimes, you know, when people hear the word feedback, they think criticism and they don't want yes. to hear it and they don't want to be hurt, you know. <laughs> You're right. So, right. Uh, you know, what, what kind of feedback did, did you get in the early days then, Cody? What kind of feedback did you get? I got the feedback I got 
was typically around I kept pivoting on one of my feet, just kept moving back. I had a lot of nervous energy and I didn't know what to do with it. So I was constantly swaying back and forth. So the feedback I got most was, you know, be able to plant your feet and move with purpose throughout your speech. The second thing I got a lot was I would start off really strong at the beginning of my sentence. And near the end of my sentence, I would almost trail off as far as volume goes, and you almost couldn't even hear the end of my sentences, and I would do that all throughout my speech. The third thing I would get a lot of feedback on was mumbling, and something I'm still working on today is just how often I mumble when I get nervous and I start speaking very fast, and you can't hear the words I'm saying. In my mind, I'm speaking perfectly clean language or English, but to the audience, they have no idea what I'm saying. I'm just speaking a completely different language. So when I first was getting this feedback back, I took it as a personal attack on myself, uh, which is not the way I go about it, because at that point, you, you get very defensive about what you're doing, and it's hard to improve when you, you kind of take a stance that they're, they're personally criticizing me. Mm. Instead, you have to see it as they're, they're criticizing, and criticizing really isn't a good, it's constructive criticism, Yes, is the performance, not you, just the performance and how you can take that learn from it and improve the performance next time. Okay. And, and so, well, clearly you improved your performance because you use your public speaking to raise $17,000 to start a business in college. So yes. tell, us, tell us about that. Certainly. So soon after getting over my fear of public speaking, I got an opportunity to pitch a business idea in college to the business school at Mississippi State University. This was a very interesting turn of events where prior I would not want to speak in front of people. And now I was actually seeking out an opportunity to speak where the judges were going to actively judge my performance and how I did and how I presented my business idea. And so I had a partner, it was also an electrical engineering student, and we just had a simple idea for a, a card game, that, like a tabletop board game, that you would play with friends where you actually build a robot and you battle the robots and then the last robot standing wins. So we took that idea, <laughs> I'm glad you like that. <laughs> so we took that idea, it was very simple, and we began pitching to the business college to get seed money to help this startup get its uh, build a foundation to actually get it up and running. And so at first, our present presentations were okay, uh, but uh, gradually we got better and better, and we were able to raise around a little over three to five thousand dollars just doing entrepreneurship competitions at different universities and at our university, pitching our business idea and our business plan. And then from there, we were able to take that money and hire a graphic designer for our card game. And then we were also able to buy pizza for a bunch of uh, poor college students like ourselves to come out and get free pizza and play test our game to make it better. Mm. After we did that, we took it to a platform online called Kickstarter. Okay. Kickstarter. I don't know if you've ever heard of Kickstarter. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, yeah. So an online platform to raise money for, to get a project up and running. So we used that and we raised a little over $9,000 through that as well. And we were able to take our game, manufacture it in China, get wow. it shipped across the Pacific, and then now it's in the hands of all the people who backed us in the beginning. And now we're in a few stores right now with our card game. Oh, wow. None of that would have been possible Right. Had I not got over my fear of public speaking. Excellent. And when you was doing this pitch, was it you by yourself or um, did, I mean, did it you was, do all the speaking or? Was it was me. Part? It was usually me and Daniel. OK. For the most part. Wow. I mean, that that's amazing. So that that's that's really quite encouraging and inspiring because basically what you're saying is that when you can get over your fear of public speaking and you speak to large groups of people or just to the right people you've got that audience right. that captive audience and you're good at that then you know all kinds of opportunities can come from that because you you can give effective presentations and correct who knows where where that might take you Absolutely. It, it, it can do nothing but open doors for you. 
right. getting over your fear of public speaking. You are listening to the Authors Podcast with Lisa Newton. Please do subscribe to, like, and share this channel. And then from there, was you still working your job, your full time job? And you, when did you find the time to write? <laughs> early in the morning. So I'd get up a little bit earlier and, and begin writing. And sometimes you would only have 15, 30 minutes a day to write. And that's really, you don't need much more than that. You'd be surprised how much you can actually get done just doing little bits every day versus trying to find some time on like a weekend and put in several hours in, which can be kind of draining and it takes away from the time of your weekend. Uh, So I started that in August and I was done writing in November and I had a little over 50,000 words, which is a pretty decent sized book. Yes. So. At first, you feel like you're not making a whole lot of ground, but eventually over several weeks and a few months, you'd be like, wow, I really have a, I've got a solid book here. I've actually had to cut some of this away. Otherwise, this is going to be big and no one's going to read the whole thing. Uh, so doing that consistently over from August to November, um, goodness, lost my turn of thought again, yeah, so, had so, a had yeah. big impact on the, on the end result of my book. Yes. And I, I'm just thinking, because, you know, you've got a 17-month-old daughter, Nella. So, yes. Yes. I mean, how do you find the time around, I'm assuming, screaming kids and, you know what I mean, and sleep deprivation and all of that? like All, all of that. <laughs> Luckily, uh, through all of that screaming and running around and the attention they need, apparently that's very energy draining on them as well. So luckily they have to take naps several times throughout the day. So whenever they take a nap for 30 minutes, I'll try and pull my laptop out and actually crank out some a chapter of my book. And then when she wakes up, you know, you just got to put it away and I try again the next time she takes a nap or find 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there to really get some work done. It, you kind of just squeeze it into your day the best you can without being overbearing. Because mm-hmm. all of us have lives, we all have things we want to do throughout the day, we have jobs. And so just kind of squeezing it into the little pockets of time you can, mm-hmm. can make a big difference down the road. Right, excellent. And, I, and I'm glad you said that because the, the biggest thing I always get from people is, oh, Lisa, you know, I just don't have the time. I'd love to do it. I just don't have the time. But I'm glad you're saying that, you know, you, you can make the time, you can find the time. It, it might not be easy, but uh, you can kind of squeeze it out of the day. And uh, that's certainly what you did. So um, so you finished the, the, the first draft, the, the manuscript in November. Correct. And then what happened after that? So then I found an editor and, you know, it, usually I, I try and find an editor through a referral. So I found my editor through a referral and I sent it over to her. And within a week, she had it back to me and it was a, I mean, it was a bloodbath. It was, she <laughs> destroyed it. It was, it was unreal. And I think it's a little nerve wracking to have someone cr- really, I mean, you're paying them to critique your work. And well, that can suppose, be a little rough. It's a little bit like, I suppose, public speaking, you know, when you're asking is. for feedback, you know, you've got to be prepared to handle constructive criticism. Absolutely. And they're going to take, there's a phrase that comes to mind. It's, I think it's kill your darlings or something along that line where you're, you have this maybe a section of your book that you really love. You like, you love it. And you're like, this is my best work. And then you hand it off to an editor and they come like, this is unnecessary. And they just, they're like, you need to get rid of this. You've already said this several times before. And you're like, no, no, no. that's, that's my favorite part. And then you kind of have to step away from your, your writing and, you know, emotionally detach yourself from that and realize that, you know, I'm paying their, their, I'm paying this lady for a reason to really help out and build the flow of my book. Uh, and not be able to emotionally attach myself to any of that work in that instance to make the final product better. Okay. Well, that yeah. And I think that's the way to, to see it because they're, they're a professional and they're not, it's nothing personal. They're just no. you know, trying to get you to, you know, do your best work. Okay, right. excellent. And then uh, you got it out there. And um, I mean, 
just on that same kind of note, have you have you ever read any of your reviews? Have any been have you ever had any scathing criticism like that, or do you just just not even you just don't <laughs> see it? I I love reading my reviews. <laughs> I I I. I oh, wow. I get a little weird when I see another review on my book. I, I can't help it. I, I love it because it, someone took the time to not only read my book, but to provide feedback. So, so far we have, I think I checked this morning, 42 um, wow. five-star reviews. Okay. So I haven't had anything yet that I, I'm still, ex I'm still waiting on the day that I get someone who's just going to leave me a one-star review. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie to you. I can't wait. I cannot wait to get my one star review. I know it's coming and someone's going to trash the book and I'm going to put that on my wall because I, I, I earned it. I earned that one star review because if I hadn't put that book out there, I would have never even had the opportunity to get that one star review. <laughs> um, oh, so, my gosh. Cody, you come across to me as someone you, you may. I don't know. Do you like pain? I don't know. Do you like do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> I like, but am I a glutton for punishment? Like no, that, yeah. uh, certainly not. I think it's more in the sense that I spent so much time avoiding feedback, avoiding criticism, avoiding uh, scrutiny and judgment that, you know, I, I really just want to embrace it. I really want to get better. I want my writing to get better. I want my speaking to get better. And I want to be able to use that and help other people. So you really have to change the way you look at it. Um, from a personal attack on you and who you are to just, it's just feedback. That's all it is. And you get to take it any way you choose. You get to choose whether or not you take it offensively or constructively. So I, I try and remind myself every day, like feedback is either going to be my ben to my benefit or not. And I get to make that decision. And do you like, do you do any coaching? Do you help people improve their public speaking skills do you do you like giving feedback to others yes something yes part of like yes. what you do yeah so I, i've just now begun coaching people on public speaking and it, it's been a blast it, it's it's honestly <laughs> watching people go from being terrified to speak and showing them how simple it is to really get over their fear in a short period of time and watching them transform is it is the best part of my day it is the best part of my day to really help these people out because once they see they can get over this fear and once they start seeing progress, other fears that they might have start to not seem so terrifying, start to seem so, so much like a mountain that they have to climb, but really just an obstacle that they can overcome. And that's probably the best part of my best part about this whole experience is being able to coach people and really get into helping people get over their fear. Okay. And if there's someone out there listening and thinks, yeah, you know, I like Cody, I think Cody could help me. <laughs> Are you, is it, how does the coaching work? Is it because you're in America? Um, so is it something that can be done through Skype, for example, or is it a yes. local thing? How, how does that work? No, it's not local because luckily public speaking and the fear of public speaking is very universal to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. I, I haven't actually had any international uh, clients of any sort, but I'm certainly open to that because public speaking and opportunities to speak, they are everywhere. Uh, and then me being able to work individually with someone on where their circumstances is, because everyone's circumstances and goals are different. Yeah. So even if you're in America or even if you're in you know, London or any other part of the world, uh, your circumstances are going to be different and thus we can make a custom plan for you to help you get over your fear depending on where you are now. So some people might be up, you know, afraid to speak in front of large audiences versus they're kind of okay around the smaller ones. But you might have some people that are afraid just to get up in front of one person. Yes. So then each, each thing is different and you have to almost custom tailor it to each individual. And that's probably like the funner part is like putting together the puzzle, you know, the plan to help them get over their, their fear in a, in, a, in a period of time, usually in around three months. Wow. So if anyone out there wants to get in touch with you, Cody Smith, what would be the best way? It is by email for sure. Uh, they can send me an email at Cody at stagefightclub.com. And I'll get that. And I usually respond the same day or next day and kind of see if you know I'm a good fit to help them. Uh, so yeah, I don't like to just include everyone and so yeah i can help you uh we definitely like to do a little process where we actually go through and make sure that i'm a good fit for you 
and you're a good fit for what I teach. Um, but yeah, shooting a simple, uh, a simple email out saying, hey, I'm interested in being coached. Um, let's have a Skype call. And that's usually how I go about the process. Excellent. You were listening to the Authors Podcast with me, your host, Lisa Newton. You can email me, lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And remember, we have the Inner Circle, which is for writers just like you. And you can join us at writerbook.net. So if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Cody Smith, who is the author of Stage Fight how to punch your fears of public speaking in the face, you know, karate chop them through the door and you know, <laughs> get them out of your life. So stage five. I love that. <laughs> how to punch your fears of public speaking in the face. And you can email Cody um, at Cody at stagefightclub.com. So Cody, just in terms of, um, you know, getting back to to writing and things are you uh, a particular you know avid reader yourself do you read a lot or are you not particularly a reader oh i i love reading i try and crush a book once a week used to not be the case i actually didn't like reading at all (laughs) uh but going in through and like usually i read a lot of self-help books a lot of self-improvement books a lot of non-fiction and I guess recently I've actually incorporated more fiction into my my reading, um, which has really actually helped a lot. I used to not really see a point to reading nonfiction because I guess there was like nothing to really get out of it outside yeah. of a story. But there's a lot you can get from nonfiction as, as far as just diving into characters, uh, you name it, just a different scenery, a different level way of writing. And all of this ends up helping my writing out as well. Mm. Uh, so I, I tend to read quite a bit. Any particular favorite books spring to uh, mind? Because I, I, I read a lot myself, so. Yeah, I, I would say my favorite book is always the last one I read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the last book I read was The Alchemist. Ah, and good, by Paolo Coelho. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And I put off reading that for a long time, and I wish I hadn't. And that was such a great book. I recommend that to anybody. It is such a good book. Yeah. Excellent. Good stuff. Uh, okay. Now, I, I, li- I like to. Um, I, I like self-help books myself. I um, was once told I'm a self-help junkie, and uh, I, don't, I don't know <laughs> if that was supposed to be a criticism, but I just I like self-help books, and it's for the reason, like you said, I used to think mm, fiction. I mean, you know, yeah, okay, but I, you know, I want something more concrete, more something I can apply to my life. I, I like right. that. I like, Absolutely. You know, those, are the, those are the kind of books I, I like to, to read. So, um, you know, um, okay, excellent. And um, just, so then just in terms of um, future plans then, what does the future hold for Cody Smith? Ah, good question. Uh, currently there's, there's two things. Uh, one is really getting into more of the professional speaking uh, mm. So that's something I'm actively seeking right now is to, I guess, help spread the message of you can get overcome your fear of public speaking and here's how to do it. And then the next thing is we're actually starting a YouTube channel where we're actually showing people how to find opportunities to speak in their own neighborhood. Uh, and we have our first video out and it was a blast filming it. We went to a local uh, we went to a local shopping mall. And in the food court, we just walked up to people sitting at the food court and gave them random two-minute speeches where they would give us a random topic, and we'd give them a speech. And it was nerve-wracking at first, but it's such a small audience. And we, you do 10, 20 tables, and afterwards, you feel like you're a champion. You feel like a king. Like you're like, I can do anything. I feel unstoppable. And it was, you know, this... It was just right down the street, you know, I didn't have to like set anything up. I didn't have to find some audience, you know, it was just readily available. So we're finding these unorthodox methods to getting over your fear of public speaking. And we're really hoping that people can take from it and, and use these methods that we're using to help them get over their fear of public speaking. Okay. And have you got a YouTube channel for that as yet? Yes. Yes. It's, it's Stage Fight Club, as you're seeing a reoccurring theme. Stage Fight Club. So... 
Yep. Okay, so contact points then for, for Cody Smith. Uh, you've got the YouTube channel, Stage yes. Fight Club. Uh, yes. Or you can drop a email to Cody at stagefightclub.com. There is the website, stagefightclub.com. And you also have a Twitter handle, which is Stage Fight Club and Instagram which is also Stage Fight Club. And I like that because it's easy to remember because, right. uh, you know, and it's great that you've actually got the handles on all your social media like that because oftentimes uh, they, it ends up changing. So um, that's Absolutely. really good. And I suppose it's interesting, you know, sort of choice of words, Stage Fight Club, like it, yes. it, it's a fight or, you know, it, I suppose you're, you're fighting the fear. Correct. So it's yeah. So instead of it's just a play on words of instead of stage fright, I, you know, I, I want you to see, it, you know, stage fight. And it because it is like it's an internal struggle between who you want to be. And maybe a little bit more. I feel like all of us have a little bit of a coward in us. It's mm. it's that little voice in your head that says, you know, no, you shouldn't do this or you're not going to do great or uh, you, you've never done great. So why are you going to do great? So it's, it's it's separating that voice in your head. That's always a doubter. It's, it's always telling you to don't try and separating the voice between the voice in your head that's who you want to be or who you want to become. So for me, it was becoming a courageous speaker and being able to separate the conflict between those two voices in my head so I could actually identify, oh, okay, this is just my coward self speaking. This is just the coward in me saying, you know, you should be afraid. So once I can separate those two, I can be like, oh, okay, I can identify. I'm just freaking out and being nervous. Um, and really, I can start calming myself down and realizing this is just a part of me and uh, it's just a fight between the two. And so I, I get to choose who wins the fight. Do I want it to be my courageous self or my coward self? And that's really helped just pinpoint who is speaking right now and who do I want to speak right now. Okay, excellent. Fantastic. So public speaking, anyone out there, if you're terrified, you need not be anymore. Stage fight, how to punch your fears of public speaking in the face. The author is Cody Smith. And where can people get hold of the book, Cody? It's actually up on Amazon. Uh, so that's it's you can get an ebook if you'd like to use a Kindle reader or and then use also a hard copy if that's more of your style. You have been listening to the author's podcast with Lisa Newton, sponsored by Boogles Limited. Tweet the show at Boogles underscore books, spelled B-O-O-G-L-E-Z underscore books. You can also contact your host via the email address lisa at lisanewton.co.uk. And if you want to join our author's community, join the inner circle at www.writerbook.net You have just been listening to the author's podcast with Lisa Newton. See you next time.